0: Welcome back to Cinema Wellman. I am your host, David. If you are a regular visitor to Cinema Wellman, you are familiar with our monthly movie rundowns. For the past nine months, we've given you the top ten and the bottom five from each and every month. Starting with today's episode about March's screenings, there will be a slight change in format. My semi-retirement has ended. Uh, After taking a year off, I am back to work full-time. So for the first time since its inception, Cinema Wellman is being hosted by a person with a real job. (laughs) Working eight hours a day is certainly cut into my movie time, which is why March's total of 47 movies is the lowest monthly total in over a year. For this reason, I'm changing the format from a top 10 bottom five to simply a best and worst of each month. There really weren't enough quality movies screened in March to fill up a top 10, and I didn't want to lower the bar just to fill a quota. I stand behind the movies that I talk about and recommend and didn't want to diminish that by elevating a movie that wasn't deserving. There will still be a determination of the best and the worst film of each month, but the others will not be ranked numerically. There will never be more than five worst or ten best. So it's possible that some of the future months will look like what we presented in the past with the top 10 bottom five lists. March wasn't a good month for movies around here. I didn't see anything worthwhile until the 23rd movie that I watched. I was checking off a lot of old Oscar nominees and ran into a boring batch for some reason. Nothing that I'd put on a top 10 list, and that had me tweaking the format a bit. So a bit of a change, hopefully for the better. I'm happy to be working again, and and I'm still working on the production schedule to provide everyone with a new episode every week. Thank you for your patience and continued support. It is much appreciated, as always. Format change or not, we will still begin with the dreck of the month. Here are the worst movies we screened in March, starting off with 1970s The Hawaiians. Yet another colonization epic that I hated for the same reasons I hated all of the other colonization epics that I previously mentioned. It's racist, it's misogynistic, it's heavy on the white savior theme, and it stars Charlton Heston. Did casting directors think that Ten Commandments was a documentary? He was certainly on the top of the list of actors called upon when they needed that white savior in their movie. Based on a novel that was probably 900 pages long by James A. Missioner, the Charlton Heston of the literary world, this is a boring story set in a beautiful place. A lot of it was filmed in West Hollywood and Culver City, but the beautiful parts were filmed in Hawaii. Not that it helped. If it wasn't for Planet of the Apes and The Omega Man, I'd have no use at all for Charlton Heston. Next on the list is more overblown Hollywood trash. From 1966, we have the Oscar. The most amazing thing about this film is that the Academy Awards let them shoot footage for this crap at an actual award ceremony. They obviously had no idea how bad it would be, and it led to the Academy trademarking the Academy Award so they'd be able to control how it was used in upcoming creative projects. This film stars Stephen Boyd as a Best Actor nominee at the award ceremony and the film is told in flashback to reveal what an absolute jerk he's been to everyone all along. I was amused that Stephen Boyd was chosen to play an actor. Nothing I have ever seen him in has made me think he could play an actor in a movie. The supplemental cast is amazing, as it includes tons of Hollywood regulars and legends. Some are cast as characters, while many others play themselves. The strangest casting is of the great Italian singer, Tony Bennett, as the half-Jewish, half-Irish, Jaime Kelly. I am not making that up. Bennett later said it was a terrible experience, quote quote, and never wanted to act again because of it. I agree with Tony. I also thought it was a terrible experience. Next on the worst list for March is from 2023, Hey, that's this year. It's it's Knock at the Cabin. Listen, I'm the first to admit that I have an M. Night Shyamalan thing. I just don't like his movies. I think it's as simple as that. It started 20 minutes into The Sixth Sense when I turned to Lisa and said, so he's dead, right? Shyamalan has never recovered in my mind. I just think that he and his movies are vastly overrated. I don't know if this film's being praised or scorned, since I usually don't pay attention to that, but I just thought this was a whole lot of nothing at the door. The performances aren't necessarily bad. There are worse actors out there than Dave Batista these days, believe it or not. The premise isn't bad either. From IMDb, quote, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse, end quote. Sounds interesting, Right. Unfortunately, like many Shyamalan movies, the problem is with the storytelling itself. There are several parts of the story that are never explored that would have helped to explain the motivations of these menacing strangers. There are also gaps in the creation of the characters of the parents. There's something going on that we're left to figure out for ourselves that would have helped explain some of their actions. Not enough character development to care either way, and only one sympathetic character in the entire film. I'm not sure why he still gets the money to make movies. There are much better, lesser-known directors out there that deserve some financial backing. Uh, So that's three bad movies. It's now time for the absolute worst of the month, and it was an easy choice. From 2010, it is Harpoon. Quote, actually, it's not a harpoon, it's a spear gun, end quote. That is the extent of the comedy in this piece of trash floating in the ocean from Canada that's more offensive than that heap of rotting seaweed currently headed towards us. Billed as a comedy horror thriller on IMDb for no apparent reason, this tries to be some new take on the open water kind of movies, but it is dead in the water. That stupid pun I just made is better and this entire movie. Harpoon has three characters, and I'm still deciding which one I hated the most. There's obnoxious rich guy with the boat. There's his obnoxious girlfriend who puts up with his shit on the surface. And then there's the friend who is just a put-upon third wheel that the girlfriend is obviously sleeping with from the start. We know that right away. That's one of the twists. I'm sorry, I should have warned you that I'm going to spoil the hell out of this movie to prevent you from ever thinking about watching it. When you hate all three characters in a three-character film, you know you're in for a dismal time. So there's three of them there. It gets down to drawing the straws to decide who gets killed and eaten, like all these movies end up. Third wheel guy straight up murders rich white guy with the boat obnoxious girlfriend shoves third wheel guy off the back of the boat where he's ground into hamburger by the engines of the boat. Is that even possible? I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be something that could happen to the propellers or are they just up like whirring blades in the water this way? I always thought they were underneath. How can something like that happen? How are those propellers even set up? I'm sorry, let's move on. Obnoxious girlfriend then tries to flee the scene and uh leave the two get dead guys in her wake when she guns the engines on the boat and is propelled off the entire boat and into the water again is this possible in the world of physics did those engines go from 0 to 80 knots in 2 seconds ridiculous she floors it she nails that accelerator and flies I don't know, 18 to 20 feet off the back end of the boat. The movie ends with her in the water, watching the boat move away at full throttle. She will drown, roll credits. They all got what they deserved, including being part of the worst movie screened in Cinema Wellman in the month of March. Let's look at the good movies now. Here are the best. From 1937, we have Penny Wisdom. From the 1930s to the 1950s, Pete Smith produced a series of short films that were known as Pete Smith Specialties. He was nominated for 16 Oscars, winning two, including one for Penny Wisdom. Smith narrated the shorts that were comedic in nature and poked fun at everyday life. Penny Wisdom is about cooking and how a housewife should properly prepare for a dinner party with important guests that include her husband's boss. It's one of those things. It was the time, though. Puns and other wordplay are in full force as Smith's narration adds to the hijinks on the screen. I actually saw this Oscar winner for Best Short Subject Color by total accident. I had DVR'd another Oscar winner on TCM, White Shadows in the South Seas, and this was shown before the recording ran out. Double bonus. Penny Wisdom was good for a couple of laughs as all of Pete's specialties are. Next on our best list is from 1942 and it's Listen to Britain. This mid-war documentary short out of the UK is unique in the sense that it has no narration. Telling a story in a documentary without narration is a challenge since the filmmakers need to rely on the images and the sounds to do all of the work. This is done masterfully and listen to Britain. Director Humphrey Jennings directed quite a few wartime shorts in the UK during World War II. I've seen a handful of them and I found all of them well done without being heavy-handed as wartime documentaries tend to be from time to time. Well done, Humphrey. Next on our best list for March is from 1984 and it is Streetwise. This documentary tells the story of a group of teenagers living on the streets of Seattle in the mid-80s. I've seen more than a few documentaries about young people living on the streets over the years, and I always find them extremely unsettling. Can't help but think about my own daughters and how thankful I am that they grew up in a loving and supporting environment. Many of these kids never really had a chance in life, and it's sad to watch them hustle from day to day just to stay alive. These kids want you to know how tough they are and how hard street life has made them but you can see right through all of that. When you realize that they're just children, it makes them it all the more heartbreaking. They just need somebody to love them and care about them. Not a fun movie by any means, but a very good movie. That's Streetwise from 1984. Next on our list of best movies in March is from 1996, and it's Hard Eight. I've been preparing for an upcoming episode on gambling movies. Uh, which had me check out this Paul Thomas Anderson movie starring the great Philip Baker Hall and John C. Riley. It's well done. It's character-driven, as many of Anderson's films are. I'm including it here because it won't make the top 10 on the gambling list. Doesn't mean it can't be included as one of the best movies I screened in March. Gambling movies are inherently depressing, and this is no exception. It's emotionally draining To watch these characters struggle to get through life as they make bad decision after bad decision. Paul Thomas Anderson made this film a year before directing Boogie Nights put him on the map. This film has a lot in common with Boogie Nights, including sympathetic characters you just can't help but to root for. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. I miss him so much. Next on our list of best movies of March is from 2017, And it is, What Did Jack Do? Half of the six films on the best list for March are shorts. No surprises. You know, I love a short. However, you may also know that I am not a fan of monkeys, and I'm iffy at best when it comes to David Lynch. So it's a bit of a surprise to see 2017's What Did Jack Do on the list of best movies screened in March. Turns out it's a tremendous mix of monkeys and David Lynch. In this 17-minute short, Lynch plays a homicide director interrogating Jack, a tormented monkey, in a lockdown train station. Jack is dressed in a suit and tie and smokes cigarettes during the questioning. I'll just let that marinate for a minute. Yeah, it's all of that. And well worth 17 minutes of your time, David Lynch interrogating a suit-wearing, Cigar smoking, cigarette smoking monkey. It's it's all good stuff. Here we go to the best for the month of March. It's from 2022 and it is titled I Came By. So, the best movie screened here at Cinema Wellman during the month of March was recommended to me by someone I have yet to meet, but is married to a good friend of mine. So, thank you, Melissa, for the recommendation and feel free to keep this going in the future. I'm always looking forward to uh, new things and things to watch, no matter how long the current watch list is. And now that you're batting a 1,000, you may keep suggesting films. I Came By is a thriller out of the UK that stars one of the Downton Abbey servants as the bad guy. Believe me, I didn't spoil anything here. It's quite apparent where the evil is coming from in this movie. It's the rest of it that doesn't seem to want to follow the rules, And that's what makes this film stand out. No spoilers, just IMDB to fill you in. Quote, follows a young graffiti artist who discovers a shocking secret that would put him and the ones closest to him in danger. Some of this is your standard thriller fare, a jump scare or two, which is okay as long as it's kept to a minimum. But there are plenty of opportunities to to go the standard route in this film, that director Babak Anvari decides to go off-road. Those decisions are what makes this stand out from other Netflix thrillers. I love a movie that has me asking questions out loud while I'm watching, such as, wait, did he just? Yeah, yes, he did. Well, that's a wrap from Cinema Wellman. Those are the best and worst films screened here in the month of March we hope you'll you'll join us next week for what hopes to be a very special groundbreaking episode of Cinema Wellman no other spoilers there until then take care